there. Happy Friday or happy whatever day it is when you're listening to this. This is episode number 294 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And today we are talking about women in Aussie rules football. Harlequin Escape recently published a trilogy of novels with heroines who all play for the Australian Rules Football Women's League. Now, that's a real thing. The AFLW, the Australian Football League Women's League, began in February 2017 and has been a massive success in Australia. It's a professional football league for women. How cool is that? For the romance series that is based on the AFLW, Amy Andrews, Catherine Evans, and Nicola Marsh created the Women of War, Women's Aussie Rules, a fictional league inspired by the real thing. Their three books, Game On, Long Game, and Fair Game, are on sale now. Each novel features a heroine who plays football on the professional level, so naturally we had absolutely nothing to talk about at all. Okay, first, you guys need to see these covers. Oh my gosh. I have a growing, noticeable crush on the model pictured on Long Game. I really envy her arms. These covers are incredibly good. I love them. Now, this interview is in two parts. Due to connection problems, I recorded first with Amy and Nicola, and then later with Catherine. So in part one, Amy, Nicola, and I discussed the creation of the series, writing athlete heroines, and of course, explaining Aussie rules football to audiences who are unfamiliar with the game. With Catherine, we talk about her joy in seeing a sport that she loved to play as a young person become a professional league for women on television. All three authors share what they're working on, talk about the development of the series, and explore the differences in writing a heroine who is a pro athlete, which is, by the way, one of my favorite kinds of heroines. I also want to send a very large and deeply felt thank you to Kate Cuthbert for helping me coordinate across so many time zones, so many time zones, and for contacting me about the series and helping me shape the interview because I am deeply unfamiliar with Aussie Rules Football and I had a really great time doing this interview. So thank you. Thank you, Kate. This episode is brought to you by Hot and Badgered by Shelley Lawrenston. The wait is over. New York Times bestselling author Shelley Lawrenston returns to the shapeshifter genre and the animal her readers have been clamoring for since the release of her fan favorite novel, Bite Me. Which animal? The indomitable honey badger. These outrageously snarky honey badger sisters are fearless, flawless, and fierce. What happens after a honey badger meets a soft-hearted grizzly bear by barging into his hotel room, naked, from a balcony no less, while fleeing armed gunmen? Find out in Hot and Badgered by New York Times bestselling author Shelley Lawrenston. Hot and Badgered is on sale now wherever books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. Each week, we have a transcript for the podcast, and this week's podcast transcript is compiled by Garlic Knitter, as always. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. It is being brought to you by Whiskey Sharp Jagged by Lauren Dane. Victor Orlov took one look at the wary gaze and slow-to-trust personality of the deliciously sexy and fascinating Rachel Dolan and knew... He wanted more than just a casual friendship. But as a natural protector, he knew bossiness and overprotective maneuvering would push her away rather than draw, his, draw her close. So he will use every tool in his easygoing, laid-back arsenal to convince her to take a chance on them. 
Rachel's flourishing new career as a tattoo artist has brought color back into a life previously damaged by a series of bad choices and violence. She knows that she can trust Vic. It's herself that she's not sure of. And when Vic finally drops all pretenses of just friends and focuses all his careful affection and irresistible seduction on her, Rachel knows that she is falling hard for the laid-back pretty boy she's discovered has a relentlessly steel spine when it comes to her, and she cannot resist. You can find Whiskey Sharp Jagged on sale now wherever books are sold. Thank you to Lauren Dane for sponsoring the transcript this month. And also special thanks to Librarian Jessie, who wrote a guest review this week, and when I asked her about payment, asked if her payment could be donated to the funds for transcription. Thanks, Jessie. I really appreciate that. And I also know how much you guys appreciate having the transcript, so thank you for letting me know about that. Now, I have some compliments, and this is so much fun. To Lauren, you may sometimes feel like no one is listening to you, but there are so many people who do what they do now because your ideas are worth so much to them. And to Laura, if there is ever an apocalypse, many people will look to you for level-headed leadership and optimism and also that thing that you bake because it is delicious. If you would like a handcrafted compliment or you would like to support the show, please have a look at our podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash smartbitches. The Patreon community is an immensely, immensely wonderful group of people. They help me with monthly pledges of as little as a dollar a month, and each pledge makes a massive difference in helping the show and helping me commission transcripts for episodes that don't have them from our archives. I also want to thank some of the Patreon folks personally. So to Echo, Laura, Anna Riki, Stephanie, and Jessica, thank you so much for being part of the podcast community. Now, are there other ways you can support the show? Of course there are. And if you listen to podcasts, I bet you know what they are. You can leave a review, however or wherever you listen. You can tell a friend. You can subscribe. Whatever works. But most of all, if you're hanging out with me and I am in your eardrums right now, thank you. That's really, really cool. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the episode as to who this is. I will also have a preview, 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 promo, preview, both, of what's coming up on the site this week. And I have a terrible joke and an outtake because it took me like 10 tries to get this intro recorded. I don't know what's wrong with my face today. I will also, of course, have links to all of the books that we discuss, links to videos about Aussie rules football. So if you want to learn how it is or how it works, you can do that. Plus YouTube links to the women's AFL, which is really, really cool. And now without any further ado, let's go to part one of our interview on with the podcast. Thank you guys so much for for joining me for this recording. I am really excited to talk to you guys. The first question is really easy. Um, if you could introduce yourselves and the book that you've written, uh, and Amy, you could go first. Okay, my name is Amy Andrews, and I wrote Fair Game in the um, in the female AFL series. All right, and Nicola. Yes, I'm Nicola Marsh, and I wrote the first book in the series, which is Game On, and it's a novella as part of the Women of War series. My first question is actually for Nicola. I'm wondering, I, I am told by Kate Cuthbert that you are a massive Aussie Rules football fan. I am. Um, I'm nuts about Aussie Rules. <laughs> I would... Enough. 
very, very, very much would very much love for you to explain the basics of the sport to audiences who might be unfamiliar with Aussie rules football, which is pretty much everyone in America, no pressure. Right. Okay. Well, there's uh, two teams play against each other and there's 22 aside. So at any one time, there's 18 on the field and four on the interchange bench. And you've got uh, forwards, midfield and backs. And you've got what's called rucks and ruck rovers and rovers who sort of follow the ball all around. And if you kick the ball through the two big sticks, that equals six points. And if you kick the ball in between a big stick and a small stick, that's one point. Whoa. Now, one of the things I've noticed. I have very tiny shorts. That's the most important thing for me. (laughs) And, and of course, hot bods. (laughs) I was just going to say, and the uniforms are very small. (laughs) Very teeny tiny. Which, which of course, is really important. Obviously. Now, the other thing is the ball is different, right? Yes, it's it's actually an oval shape and it's made from a pink skin. And it's not like a rugby ball. Rugby is different, right? Is it? Oh, it's not that They're similar. They're similar. They're fairly similar. It's not a soccer ball. No. No. (laughs) It's oblong with a sort of pointy, it's oval. Yes. Oval, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with Aussie rules football, um, is there tackling? Is there a lot of contact? Is there um, a lot of straining against the tight shorts that happens? <laughs> well, that's that's a really interesting way of putting it. Um, yes, there's there's long kicks, there's handballing, there's marking, which is when they jump up and catch the ball, and lots of tackling. Our this this sounds really very cool, and I'm sorry that we don't get more of it here in the states. So, with your books about the Aussie rules football, this is the is this the first year of the women's professional league? Actually, no. It's first started last year. So, so this is the, the second season. Second season of women's. Yes, it, it actually started early 2017. That's very cool. So now there's a women's professional league as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah which awesome. is really good. It's been very popular. Mm. Oh, it has been. That's super cool. So everyone's really got behind it in the country. Yeah, they have, and actually, they've they've actually just played the grand final last weekend, and it was the Western Bulldogs versus the Brisbane Lions, and the Western Bulldogs won. Ooh. And, that would and be... it was in pouring, pouring rain. It was awful. <laughs> oh, bummer. How many teams are there in the women's league? Are there the same number of teams as in the men's league? No. No? No. But but actually what's happening is each year they're adding more and more into that league. So sort of we're hoping it'll eventually match up with the men's league. And you said the response has been very po- positive, that people are really into it. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, well, I, I think even sort of if you sort of bring it back down to school level, there are more and more girls who are playing Aussie rules even at schools now, which is really good. That is very cool. So how did this series come to be? Did you um, did you sort of get the idea or have received the idea from, from uh, your publisher and like, yes, give me this book right away. I love this sport. This is going to be great. 
Yes, well, actually, um, I think Kate Cuthbert went to the, uh, I think it's ARA, the Australian Romance Readers Association, uh, meeting, I think, sort of early last year and sort of had, had this idea for the series. So then I I had a call from her saying um, she'd heard I was mad keen on Aussie rules and if I'd be interested in writing a book for the series. And I said, yes, I'd love to. Thank you. Yeah, it was just, it was it was definitely driven by Kate, who was, you know, very excited about because it had such a huge response last year in Australia, you know, from um, just all quarters. There was a lot of support around for it and I think that she really wanted to capitalise on that as well. You know, it was not only was it popular, but she, um, I think she's a fan as well, I'm not sure. She emailed me and asked me um, it, when I could do it because my schedule was quite full and I said that I could do it like next year as in this year because <laughs> I was supposed to write another book for her and she's like, well, what if you don't write that book? When can you do it for me? So <laughs> I ended up doing one coming in like like the last book that came in because I was desperately trying to finish other books. So um, she was keen to get it off the ground. She could see that there was a groundswell and she really wanted to, you know, kind of capitalise on that and sort of give readers a, a way into the sport as well. So – um, I want to start with with Nick because I know I know Nicola that you have to to go. Could you tell us this is the very worst question to ask an author, so I apologize to everyone in advance. But could you tell us about your book, please? Because I'm so excited to hear you talk about these books. Okay, well, um, like I said, mine's called Game On, uh, and it features Angie, who's um, who's actually sort of just out of university, and she's done a like a sports agency marketing course and is sort of looking to work in the industry. Um, but, of course, her big dream is to play in the new Aussie Rules League. Um, so what happens is she has a friend who gets her a tryout with a team, which is the Melbourne Muses, and, of course, she's fantastic at it and gets picked uh, and then um, she actually finds out that the, the guy she meets sort of early on in the book, who she has a very hot one-night stand with, is actually the guy who's a top sports agent. Oh, dear. And, yes, and uh, he actually ends up uh, being her new boss. Oh, my. So there's lots of uh, sparks and antics, and his name's, Jackson Flint, and he's very hot. <laughs> Does he wear tight shorts? No, no, oh, because no. he no because he, <laughs> he's actually Australia's top sporting agent. He's not playing football. Ah, uh, wearing suits. Yes, he's wearing hot suits. Yes, <laughs> tight hot suits. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Amy, what about you? Could you tell me about your book, please? Sure. So Fair Game is a story, it's a um, friends to lovers story. Um, Darcy, my heroine, um, is somebody who was a ballerina, was actually heading for a, um, a scholarship uh, in the Royal Ballet in the you know in London and um, at 15 kind of grew thighs and boobs and so was no longer able to pursue that. So she went into soccer for a bit and then she finally got into to AFL and finally got picked for the the team and she's been living with um she used to live with two guys her ex and this guy called Levi who is does not wear tight clothes he's a very tall 
man bun, uh, yoga, kind of, you know, loose pants, kind of free spirit dude. And, um, and she gets into the team and Levi's kind of been in love with her for a long time and was about to tell her, but then she got involved in the, in the team and he didn't want to kind of say anything, um, with, her, you know, sporting career just taking off. Wanted to wait till after the season, and they find out that the the new coach for the team is her ex. Oh. So, um, yeah. So her ex is a bit skeevy and is trying to get her back, and Levi's trying to be very patient and wait in the wings. Um, but he's also a professional sports massage therapist. So, you know, when she gets injured, oh well, man, what a shame! I know. I know. He's got great hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I love how you've taken mm. the new setting of the, um, is it, so correct me, is it the Women's Australian Football League? Is that right? WAFL? The, uh, well, that's what they, I think it's the AFWL, isn't it? No, it's, a, actual... no it's, it's AFLW. AFLW, oh, right. I'm sorry. The actual, yeah. yeah. The actual real one is, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Because of course, now, when you were writing these stories, um, were you using actual teams or did you make up teams? No, it was it was not real teams. They were actually invented teams. I was going to say it was part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> so was there uh, was there cross book trash talking between you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Amy, <laughs> uh, we we had we had a little loop going that we uh, were talking about all kind of things footy and AFL because see I'm the only one of the three that's not really has like very minimal knowledge of um well any sport really but football particularly um apart from knowing that they run around in very tight shorts that was about my skill set where <laughs> AFL was concerned so there was a lot of um backing forth thing about you know technical terms for me and and what I couldn't couldn't do and as far as you know football went on the team a lot of trash talking I my team was called the band the, the team I had played for was called the Banshees which I love that's a great team that name I know the Brisbane Banshees yeah it was like look out we're coming we're women and we're wailing it yeah <laughs> I loved it <laughs> I wear the hell out of a sports jersey for a team called the Banshees. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very cool. So you had to make up the league and the teams and the and, and a lot of aspects of the sport from different backgrounds of, Nicola, you're being a very big footy fan. And then, Amy, you're not having much of a background in this at all. Was it a lot of fun to create that world? Oh, yes. Yes, it was. And I, and I think I think part of the fun was sort of uh, like all of us bonding together and having a talk and saying, look, is, is this okay to include in the book or is this not okay? And, um, yeah, it was good. It was fun. It was fun. We all, I think we all had a, quite a good, you know, rapport and um, be able to have, a, you know, a bit of a laugh about the different things that our characters <laughs> were doing. Um, and it, there is something about you being able to – I mean. I mean, I guess you still have to operate within the, you know, the kind of rules and the laws of the game and the world of the game. But to sort of be able to, I guess it's like a bit like, is it fantasy football, I suppose? But like you're creating everything right from the from the ground up. Yeah. And you get to add all the romance elements, which makes it way better than fantasy football. Well, that's, that's true. And I think for me, that's, you know, any book, whether I... T- Sports romance. It should actually be to be romance sport because to me that's the biggest element of the book. So yeah, absolutely. Kind of, yeah, 
Now, one of the things that I learned when doing some research was that some of the things that your characters deal with are really the challenge of being a professional athlete and balancing not only your work and your life, because, you know, work-life balance is a consistent thing for most humans who are alive, but you have work-life balance and then also being a professional athlete that 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 comes with a lot of physical demands and expectations of health and, and all sorts of extra stuff. Um, my question was actually, how did you tackle these ideas? And then I just looked at the question I wrote and I thought that was a terrible pun. So I want to apologize for past Sarah's question, <laughs> asking how you tackled those issues. But how did you tackle those issues? Um, well, as, as far as game on goes, I think because Angie is sort of working and living in that environment, I, th- I think it was a bit easier mm-hmm. for her um, because because of the fact like she's playing the game, but then she's just in her first job also being a sports agent for those playing in the game. So it just wasn't as hard for her. Right. And I think, Nick, with your background, did it help having your your kind of medical background, knowing that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it did. But then I think too, um, I mean, I was quite conscious of not sort of trying to put too much of that into the book and, mm. and also because cause I know AFL, it was really, um, yeah, I was very conscious of not putting too much of that in and really focusing on more the romance. Yeah, I guess it was the same for me as well. I really concentrated on the because I, you know, I felt like I fell down in the kind of supporting element of it. I did try to keep it sort of um, more about the romance. Uh, but I think also Darcy having a background, a professional sporting background anyway, you know, coming from ballet and uh, like a serious ballet background and then, and then um, representative soccer. And so I think anybody who's been any kind of a professional athlete for a long time kind of, you know, is very attuned to and very aware of what, they sh- what they're putting in their body. And so those kinds of things to keep aware of. And, of course, having Levi being the kind of, you know, holistic kind of guy he is, he was kind of taking care of, you know, that sort of stuff for her a bit as well, which was nice to be able to sort of give us some support that way. One of the things that I was thinking while I was doing my research is that on one hand, you have the idea that a lot of romances feature athlete heroes. They feature the the male athlete. There's a lot of professional male athletes in romance, almost as many um, billionaires yeah. and dukes uh, and Navy SEALs. We got a lot of Navy SEALs and a lot of professional athletes and special forces generally. But then it, I sort of was looking at all of the ideas of, of you know, you have athlete heroes and now you're writing athlete heroines which for the genre is is a new thing that's kind of something that i haven't encountered much except in the last few years and i love it i love reading it's awesome yes i especially what you said about being conscious about what they put in their bodies i love the body consciousness of an athlete heroine Mm who has to think about her physical strength and then the fact that it's not one body type that embodies that strength like it's a it's a new headspace to Absolutely. be in. Did you did you encounter that as well? Sorry, I was waiting for Nick to talk. <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry, I was waiting for you. To <laughs> um, I, I just what I noticed most, and this probably isn't even answering a question, but just a comment that I noticed when looking at um, watching the AFLW league play on the television was how amazing their body shapes were. They all had 
really, you know, good musculature. You could tell that they, you know, really worked out, but it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't a beauty competition. It was, you know, serious athletes kind of doing the right thing, you know, for their bodies. They all looked really, really awesome. I was impressed with how um, representative I felt their bodies were of women just generally across the board. Yeah, absolutely. You noticed that too, Nicola? Yes, I did. And I, um, yeah, sort of looking at the games, I think one thing you can really see is like just regardless of your height, weight, shape, they're all obviously training really hard mm-hmm. to be at this level mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, are, are really, really fit. But I also felt it was a bit of a challenge for me and I think this might be might go a bit to your question as well because I've been writing Rugby Heroes for my other series for some time now and I think to write a, a female sports, I was a bit worried writing I wasn't worried, but I think it's, I think romance readers are so used to reading their um, athletes being male that I think it was a challenge to write a, you know, a, a female, do do you lose some people because they're like, no, I don't want to read about a chick, you know, being, mm-hmm. the, being the sports hero. So I felt that was a little bit of a, a challenge as well for me to be able to, you know, make a, a female athlete really empowering and gung-ho and some, you know, a, a character or characters, all of our characters that, you know, readers want to read about. You know, I can speak only for myself, but I love reading athlete heroines. I find it very affirming as a reader to have women characters who are thinking of their bodies as almost as tools, as something that they work with and not against. I find that as a reader to be so enjoyable to to read a heroine who is looking at the what her body does as part of her job and part of her strength. It's a different relationship and I really enjoy reading it. So I'm so excited that that you know there's more of these and it's so great. Yay. <laughs> so what were some of the um similarities and differences to writing an athlete hero or athlete heroine versus an athlete hero? What were some of the um things that you noticed as you were writing that were unique to your to your writing experience compared to past books? Were there other things that caught your attention? Romance heroes and heroines have a lot of commonalities across books, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you're when you're writing a heroine who is a, a unique um as as being a professional athlete. It's. I think it's different, and I'm not always able to articulate as a reader what the difference is, and I'm curious if you could identify it. Well, I think for me, um, yeah, I, because I, I have written a sporting hero in the past, um, and to me there, there really wasn't a big difference um, because, like I said um, earlier, they're both sort of part of an elite sport. They've both got these goals and ambitions of where they'd like to be. Um, yeah, so as, as far as sort of yeah, having to think about major differences between them, I really can't think of I think maybe the difference is not necessarily intrinsic but ex- the, ex- the external forces that revolve around um, male sport versus female sport, the politics concern, how much harder it is to to um, you know get actually have any kind of professional you know sport for women the pay the, their rights their um, you know the the television uh, rights to it um, all of those kind of things I think come to bear on that 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 particular character and how how they react to it you know it's not as easy you know it's not been easy for any of those female AFLW players to um, to make it as it has been for 
you know, a lot of the men that have been doing it for years. It's, it's been, you know, years and years and years just getting a, an actual professional, you know, team up. So I think right. I think they come, I think they're a bit pluckier. I think they have to come from, you know, where they had to fight like women through all the, you know, throughout the ages had to do whatever, you know, arena. They've had to fight harder to, to get there, to get recognised. So I think that can weigh in it can be a positive thing it could have made them more determined it could um, actually have a negative aspect on their character where they feel like they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder or so I think there's a lot of stuff that goes into the psyche of a female athlete that you know that men male athletes don't you know have no clue about because they're you know Mm. they have that privilege of being male to start with so I think maybe that does come into play um, but I think as far as just writing a character, you just – and I think I touched on that a bit before. I, f- I felt a bit of pressure trying to, you know, get over that will a reader want to read a, f- a female sporting heroine as opposed to um, to a male one and, and how do I make that character so great. And again, maybe it goes back to, like, just giving them a really good hero. I mean, I don't know the answer either, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's – yeah, I'm not. I don't know if that answers your question. Sorry, that just no, it's just rambling. Then <laughs> no, there there isn't necessarily always an answer. Um, one of the things that I that I'm fascinated by is, in order to prepare for this interview, I did a, a whole lot of crash course watching of of um, AFL videos. You are very Women right about men. the shorts. All right, both, both, <laughs> right, both, yeah. both, both. Yeah. Um, and like even even your your explanation, Nicola, about you know, how the game is played and what's happening without any of that explanation. Like I didn't watch a tutorial. I was just watching people running around in a field and I was like, wow, this makes no sense, but it's really compelling. (laughs) (laughs) Was there anything while you were writing about this series and creating your own um, women's league and, and creating this whole universe? Was there anything that you learned about Aussie football that surprised you or that you thought was really interesting? Or Nicola, do you know everything? And this was just like, oh, just let me add it. I'm ready to do this. I think I do know everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I learn a lot. <laughs> Did you now? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's. I, I think it's funny because I mean, like, I've been madly passionate about my team, which is North Melbourne Kangaroos, since I was about six. And so that's a long, long, long time because I'm quite old. <laughs> oh, Nick. <laughs> I'm older than you, Nick. Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I learnt just kind of, you know, the basics, I guess. I think I'd put some scoring in my book and when – because I got Kath and Nick read – we all read each other's books and I especially wanted to remind just for, you know, factual stuff. And um, I think Kath pointed out that I, I don't know, I'd scored the game really high and she said, oh, the women, the women's score matches don't tend to score that high. So that's probably not right. So little things like that. I picked up a lot about. You mentioned uh, earlier that, that you were thinking, you know, oh, is, is are readers going to embrace an athlete heroine or are, are readers going to be into a, a heroine who's a, a professional sports player? Was it also a challenge to write about an, a very uh, specific Australian sport for a global audience? Yeah, well, uh, well, I think in, in my book, 
like I said, it's um, I mean, it's more sort of focused on right. Jackson and Angie. So I so I've used um sort of them as the main focus and just sort of added in the actual Aussie rules as uh, you know part of the plot. So it's not been like a massive sort of uh, push, push, push because I was aware that people overseas would think, you know, well, what is this game? <laughs> Who are these people? What is this game? <laughs> yeah. It's like cricket. Exactly. <laughs> what do you mean they play for five what? days? That's insane. <laughs> um, I, I felt that um, I just – I didn't really think it would get an international audience, to be honest. I felt that I was actually mostly writing it for the Australian audience. So I knew there would, there would be people, you know, that would read it overseas, but I didn't really think it would be, you know, particularly huge. And I, I felt like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I, I don't want to put words into Kate's mouth. I don't know. But I think maybe that's where she thought the focus might be as well too. I don't know mm, what you feel about yeah, that, Nick. So. But, yeah. yeah so, I so I kind of didn't think about it, you know, you know, in the global context, it was a bit like just going to write the story, and then you know, if people read it from outside, well, you know, it might be confusing. But again, it is all about the romance, so at least romance readers at least understand, you know, that part. So, yeah, that's right. Can I ask what you're working on now? What are you each working on for your next books? For me, I'm currently writing for the new Harlequin Dare Ooh. series, the hot and spicy one. Yeah, so uh, I've just handed in my fifth book for them and um wow yeah time flies (laughs) and (laughs) i'm working on book six for them yeah it's fun Mm -hmm. very hot (laughs) i'm working on uh i'm working on a bunch of things i'm uh finishing up my rugby series which is another two books to go so there's that and i'm working on a single title set in colorado in denver so it's why i'm extra excited to be going to to denver in a few months yes uh and i'm also going to write uh a dare uh, book, but that's a bit towards the end of the year. As well. I'm going to make that my nano. Oh, make that my nano run on that's project. exciting! Well, they, I didn't know that. Well, that's, they did. That's in, yeah, an exclusive. They, yeah, an exclusive. You heard it first here. They, they did actually ask me to write for it. It, you know, back in the beginning and scheduling wise, and having been a part of a, as you know, Nick, a line, Harlequin line that went defunct, and how devastating yeah. that was. I was a little bit wary, so. Um, yeah, it looks like I should be able to squeeze it in at the end of this year in NaNoWriMo. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a whirl. Oh, thanks. See, see yeah. what happens. I think, yeah, I think, I think your voice would be really perfect for Dare. Oh. So, woohoo again. <laughs> Thank oh, you. You guys are just great to listen to. I'm just going to sh- stop talking and let you encourage each other because it's we're just, a, all the we're just like a, we're a mutual admiration society. Right, I'm just going to enjoy this because it's very lovely. Um, Nick, can you tell us a little about your, your upcoming Dare book? Yeah, that's a sweet thing. Yeah, it's out at the moment. Uh, that was a, actually out in March, um, and it's set in a bakery in Sydney. And the uh, well, you know what? I had to do lots of first-hand sampling of cakes oh, to no, write this you? book. It was so hard, <laughs> but it was very, very important. <laughs> I think. Someone had to take one for the team, though, Nick. So, oh, you know. look, it's like I said. You know, if you if you you are writing, you have to make it very, very real. Yes. So I had to go to lots Absolutely. of yummy places. You have to write what you know, and you have um, to know your pastry. Exactly. Well, and there's actually, all those yummy, all those yummy um, bakeries in Melbourne as well. Oh, they are amazing. 
So yes, mm. one of, yes, I sort of had to, had to do that. So yeah, so so with Abby, she's newly divorced and she's having a big life change, and she wants to be a pastry chef, and she ends up working alongside Tanner, who's the the pastry shop's owner's brother, who's quite dark and dangerous, Ooh. and uh, lots and lots of sparks fly. Ooh. In the hope not the bakery, I hope. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's in the I think, oh, okay. I think, I think you'll have to read Sweet Thing to find out about that. <laughs> oh, I've heard things about buttercream <laughs> icing. <laughs> Very useful. Uh, no I've just written a baker as well. Really? <laughs> yeah, a female baker in um in my in the the sixth rugby book that's out in June or I think uh, July sometime, and she's a baker as well. And there are there is frosting going in places that frosting possibly should not ever go. Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's okay. That's part of the fantasy of romance. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, sex with food. Yes, absolutely. Yes, (laughs) yes. And reading. I made a bit of a specialty out of. I made a bit of specialty out of using food in a lot of my special sexy scenes. So I thought, hey, she's a baker. Why not? Right. And hey, if you need a workshop to propose for uh, Romance Writers of Australia, you could be like, let's do sex and food. <laughs> <laughs> this has been. And just bring lots of yummy food for people to try. Right? Yes, this is about right. food pornography. <laughs> uh, the nurse in me says, perhaps you shouldn't put candy floss in that particular part of the <laughs> For external use only. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I always ask um, my guests what it is that they're reading that they'd like to recommend. Um, Nick, would you, Nicola, would you like to go first? um, I've actually just finished uh, an Abby Glines book. And I actually love her books because she writes very hot, sexy heroes. So that was uh, Boys South of the Mason Dixon. Uh, And there's... There's five brothers in this book and they're really uh, yeah, super, super hot and real. There's, yeah, there's sort of lots of fighting and swearing and picking up women and, yeah, it was great. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that criteria. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, do you have any books to suggest? Uh, I do, actually. I have quite a, I have quite a few. Um, I just would like to recommend generally the, the Dareline um you know, as a general kind of thing. I'm just reading um, Jackie Ashendine's Ruined and it's really good. And um, Claire Conley's Off Limits has been great as well. But I also have two other two other books I want to recommend, if that's okay. Um, Always. Uh, I, I, I have fallen in love with Eve Dangefield, who is an Australian author who lives in Melbourne. And I absolutely loved her Something Borrowed. She's got just a unique, quirky, funny, she does like BDSM light but funny, it's just awesome. Ooh. And, um, of course, Ainsley Patton as well. I've just read her The Love Experiment, which um, I enjoyed very, very much. Awesome. Now, may I ask you guys about the D.A.R.E. line? What do you like about writing for uh, writing in D.A.R.E.? Well, Nick's writing for the moment, so you go for that, Nick. Yeah, I think. Well, look, I mean, I think, um, like, I've written, I think, 40, 42 bo- books for Harlequin uh, over, over the years. And, yeah, writing for Harlequin Dare has been very, very different because it's just so free, as in, you know, you can swear, uh, you can have really, really. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Actually, that's what I, that's what I asked my editor when she said, "Do you, you know, we open this line? Do you want to write for it?" And I was like, "Can I say fuck?" Oh, <laughs> that, was my, yeah. that was my first question. You can actually say that's a, a perfectly le- legitimate question. You can actually say a, a lot worse than than that. So, uh-huh. <laughs> I found it really, really fun because you know you, you can write in first person, which I personally love. Um, and it's just oh, cool. been, it's, it's actually free. It's actually really freeing to sort of, I've just let, let the muse go and it's been That's really great. The absolute bejesus out of me writing in first person. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. Oh, really? oh, oh I God. love it. I absolutely love it. So yeah, uh. it's been huge fun. Absolutely great. So that was part one of my interview with Amy Andrews and Nicola Marsh. There's a third author for the first three books in the Women of War series. Her name is Catherine Evans, and we were having trouble connecting her to the conversation that we had, so I connected with her later so that she could also talk about her book. So now here is part two of the authors of the Women of War. I'm Catherine Evans, um, and I write Australian rural romance. So it's contemporary romance in a farming setting. I've got an ag science background, so I'm working on that write what you know thing. Um, And I also have an alter ego who writes erotic romance and erotica. Very handy. It is, yeah. (laughs) And my book um, is called Long Game. And um, it's part of that war series. And uh, my heroine and hero have both grown up in the country and had to move to the city to play football. Oh. So, yep. So the hero is the, uh, the, he's older than the heroine and he and her older brother have been best friends. Ah, so it's a brother's best friends romance. Yes. Yes, and the fish out of water as well. Yep. Oh, there's a lot to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So for for listeners who are not familiar, what are some of the things that make a rural Australian set romance unique? Because I know you write rural romance and you live out in the country, right? Oh, I'm living on the coast at the moment, but I did live in the country, yeah. So I guess it's similar to the Westerns, the American Westerns, Ah. um, in that, you know, it's kind of like the cowboy romance. So so the people grow up on farms and have that down-to-earth connection Mm -hmm. um, and and they're hands-on practical people. I have a theory that, And I know this is definitely true of Australia and some very uh, challenging parts of the United States. I have a theory that when the land you live on can kill you if you're stupid, it develops (laughs) a very unique attitude towards life. Yes. And I I mean, I know know all of Australia is actively trying to kill you. Like every part (laughs) of the country would really like to make you dead. I I don't think that's really true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, I know I about thought... drop bears, okay? I know all about drop oh, bears. You can't Then you're me. right. You survive <laughs> out here. 
How about bunyips? Have you heard about the bunyips? No, I have not heard about the bunyip. Please, oh. please tell me this is not something I have to worry about uh, in the United States. No, it's States. sort of like drop bears. You'd be right. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> well, I grew up in the city, like in Sydney. Right. And um, and my dream from when I was a little kid was to move to the country and own a horse and and um, I've got three younger sisters, and one of my sister was to move to London and have a white Christmas. So um, within a month of each other, my sister and I, she went to London and I went to Wagga Wagga, which is um, in the Riverina, so sort of the southwest of New South Wales. Right. And uh, she had her white Christmas and I had, um, I was given a horse and we we both lived out our dreams, which is pretty cool. <laughs> but um, I I knew nothing about the country except what I'd read in books, and so I had a pretty steep learning curve because I was working on farms where I was supposed to know things, <laughs> and so I made a lot of really stupid mistakes, and and I was still alive, so um, that's a plus. <laughs> So it's not really out to kill you. It's out to teach you. If you ask questions, everybody in the bush will help you. Yes. If you pretend to know everything and don't give them any credit for what they know, then I think you end up in a lot of trouble. Yeah, very likely. <laughs> mm. I, I, I have noticed that, um, like I said, when 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 you live in a place where, you know, taking a wrong turn can – kill you yeah um you it tends to create a very laid back but also very honest yeah community yeah very much you have written other rural romances too is that correct uh only yeah only one (laughs) that's published yeah now with the characters in your in your book in um i just had the cover up in front of me so now i'm super embarrassed don't mind me oh long game long long game so i have this horrible problem in that i remember um cover images yeah i was just gonna say the one with the abs holy abs on your cover like there's so much abs on these covers they're incredible did you open the cover and go whoa yeah we all did We were all hoping that that we got strong women on the covers, and then when we got them, we were all like, "Oh, wow!" Right? <laughs> and and then we all went, "Oh, actually, Kathy, you've got the best." And I was like, "Yep, thank you." <laughs> uh, you <laughs> but the really more you do. look at all three of them, the more I like all of them. <laughs> but uh, you've got some seriously good looking beautiful women on the cover and they look like they could kill me with one finger (laughs) i know it's incredible so it's great escape do really really good covers oh they really do they're really stunning Mm. um Mm. so my, my question was actually going to be about the fact that your characters in long game or long abs, however you want to call it, here in my brain it's long abs. Um, you have characters who lived in a small town in rural Australia and then moved to 
the big city. Sydney? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in your book, um, I heard from uh, Kate Cuthbert, your editor, one of the things that she really liked about the book was that even though your hero is also a football player, only the heroine is shown playing sports in the book. What, that was a really interesting choice. What led to that decision? He's sort of like in a supporting role, and she's like, yep, I'm on the field. Get out of the way. Um, I think reality made that happen. <laughs> I like reality. I, I'm a fan. Yeah. When I, um, I kind of like basing, you know, I've got a science background, so everything I write has to be grounded in fact somehow, oh, even if it's only my own facts. Um and the the girls Aussie rules um, in Australia finishes before the boys start, or the grand final is just as the boys start. Mm-hmm. So, so I wanted to keep that happening, but also didn't want his um, character to overshadow her, right? Because the story was about the girls playing football, and when I started, I started writing. And the guy wasn't going to play football, but then I realised the story I wanted to tell was the difference between male and female sport. So I had to change him a bit to make him a footballer. So, yeah, so it was kind of, yeah, a couple of things that came together. So, yeah, there was no conscious decision not to have him play sport. It wasn't really <laughs> something I thought about. <laughs> hmm. And the it heroine. just happened. Well, that's cool. It's cool that it just mm. happens. Now, the heroine in your book, she's got to deal with the the idea that they're in two, they're 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 competitors, but not in the same league. Mm-hmm. And they're both athletes. Mm-hmm. They and and then on top of that, they have the usual tension of their friendship turning into uh, a real a relationship and and figuring out what to you know tell her brother. How? What were some of your favorite scenes in writing these two characters? Oh, that's a good question. I think the first, the opening scene where they meet up at Central Station was the one that came into my head that kind of propelled the story where, you know, she hasn't seen him for ages and he calls out a name. She's not really expecting him and then she flies at him. She flies into his arms kind of thing. And, um... Aww. You know, and and so that was one of my favourite scenes, the kind of um, that reconnection. And then making him vulnerable, I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> like making um, <laughs> heroes, you know, he he's um he's a bit jaded. I think um, men's sports throw a lot of money at the guys, but I'm not sure that they have a lot to do except keep themselves fit. So they live in kind of a bubble mm-hmm. of their own importance. And I think for some people that's got to be um, something that jades over time. You know, you get kind of lost in in that. And, and being a country guy who is used to doing stuff all the time, like I imagine sometimes that lifestyle doesn't suit people. So that's what I wanted to show, that he was – kind of lost and she was this really propelled um, practical girl who was going out, she was getting a job because she had to support herself while she lived in Sydney and played football and was only paid hardly anything at all and 
that he was kind of out of touch with that whole, you know, where you've got to be busy and make things fit and, and he kind of had this cruisy life where, you know, he really wasn't happy but it was pretty good life so he wasn't going to change it. That creates a good amount of tension. Yeah, and and kind of makes him vulnerable to have to realise that and realise that, you know, maybe he hasn't got everything he wants. No. Mm. Now, you mentioned that you like to make the heroes vulnerable. What do you think are some of the key elements to writing a scene or writing a character and showing their vulnerability? Well, I find it really hard, you know. <laughs> um, although it's a bit that I love, it's the hardest thing in the world to do, I think. And so I, I usually have to go back time and time and time again and just keep layering and, you know, peeling off and putting on until I can get it to to be right. Like there's a scene um, I wrote where um, he's had an incident well, there's a lot of sports people in Australia have public incidents of right. being an idiot, and um, <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that's the same across the world. Yeah, but, I think um, it does tend to happen that way. Yeah, and so he's had one of these scenes, and it hasn't been made public, but for him, it's you know, it's really um, ripping at him, and but he doesn't want to talk about it. But he can't cope. He can't cope in a pub scene, even in his hometown of Grongong. Uh-huh. And then he has to tell her about it. And she's kind of really matter of fact and, you know, so big deal. You know, yeah. he looked after it. What's the deal? So she doesn't quite understand his, you know, public persona and how much under the spotlight sports people are because they earn so much and are so much worshipped and put up as heroes so he has to open up and expose himself to her and so that scene probably I probably went back about 15 times trying to get (laughs) just that little section right just because the first time you you know you blurt out stuff and then it's got to be a bit more crafted and then you know you haven't quite got the emotion there and then you know, they're just not opening up enough. And so, yeah, I just keep going back and keep going back until until it kind of sounds like what I want it to sound like. <laughs> I don't really, don't really have a plan or anything when I write. I just sit down and um, try to think like the characters and try to let it flow out of me and think of the emotion and, try to get that into words, it's, I don't, there's no real, um, I don't, <laughs> I don't sit and plan it or anything. I just, I, I, I write out words and then I go, oh, look at that. How interesting. <laughs> How am I going to make that work? <laughs> Sometimes it ends up in the, um, you know, um, that file on your computer of this was a good idea, but it didn't work. And <laughs> other times it, you know, if you keep niggling at it, you can get it somewhere close to what you want. Has that always been uh, your your writing process to just sort of keep going and go, oh, look at that. <laughs> look what I discovered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it works, don't mess with it. Um, 
yeah, I have tried to plan and I've tried all sorts of things, but uh, it hasn't really worked. If I plan, I kind of go, yep, well, that's done, finished. (laughs) But if I keep, you know, tweaking away, I can, yeah, I keep going. Whereas if I, you know, plan out the whole story, I go, all right, they're happy, finished. (laughs) She's in a good, oh, well, if it works, it works. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. So are you an Aussie Rules football fan? Are you are you following the women's league at all? Yeah, I, I have been following the women's league both this year and last year. And um, I'm somewhere between Nicola and Amy. Um, I appreciate the tight shorts and the <laughs> shoulders like Amy. And, um, but I don't, uh, I don't have a favourite team and Aussie Rules wasn't really – isn't – when I grew up in Sydney, I was, no, there were no um, teams in Sydney. Mm-hmm. When I went to Wagga, um, I was shocked that Wagga's halfway between Sydney and Melbourne and um, Aussie Rules was as in important to the town as Rugby League, which is Sydney's game. Right. And Rugby Union as well. So, so yeah, so... I kind of I used to watch the grand final to appreciate the uh, physiques because <laughs> uh, in Aussie rules they don't have sleeves and in rugby league they wear sleeves so well that's just got a hold. criminal yeah. that's just unacceptable exactly yeah so you had to watch for that <laughs> but the girls I've um I, I'm really useless at sport, but it's one of the things I love. So I've played a lot of it really badly. And when I was a kid, I always wanted to play football and girls didn't play football. Right. And I'm sure I was the bane of my mother's life because everything um, I wanted to do, girls didn't do. And <laughs> and there was no reason for that. You know, I kept saying, but why? Why can't I? I don't understand. And she'd say, that's just how the world is, you know. Well, that's not <laughs> and, um, fun. No, I didn't really like that. So <laughs> um, <laughs> as I got older in high school, I was allowed to play cricket and soccer and hockey. So I was like, oh, okay, that's good. And then um, when I went to uni, I started playing basketball with some girls and they were really good sports people. I don't know how I ended up in the team, but um, some of them played. <laughs> some of them played for the state and Australia in cricket and soccer. Girls' sport was very much an elite part of society that um, didn't mix with mainstream society. It was, yeah. So so female sport you know, at a top level was very different to male sport at the top level. Right. So to see in my lifetime that come together, so now we've got girls playing sport at, at a top level and seeing it on TV, it's like, it's like for me it's the best thing in the world to see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, all my childhood dreams coming true and I'm too old to play but, I'm going to watch every second of it. <laughs> that must have made it very fun to write a story set in that world. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. As soon as um, Kate Cuthbert rang and asked and she said, are you interested in writing a women's Aussie rules book? And I went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. And she said, oh, 
I've got a whole spiel here. And I'm like, oh, you don't need to. No, I mean. <laughs> Thanks for the spiel, but I'm good. Yeah, that's it. I've got ideas, right? I'm done. <laughs> and then she told me who I was writing with. That was a bit daunting. But anyway. <laughs> was it a little intimidating to write with uh, two authors who have, have such, a, such a, a long publishing history? Yeah. Um, yeah, if I thought about that, it was. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought about it, thanks, that, now that you've mentioned it. Sure, yes, absolutely. I know, because they've both got like, you know, 60 or something plus books, and this is my second. So <laughs> that <laughs> that's kind of daunting. But bit. I'm really lucky because in um, Romance Writers of Australia, like um, – I've met them at conferences before, but with Amy, she was the president when I was on the conference committee some years ago, and so I'd worked with her as like a person, as an equal, you know, doing stuff, you know, getting in and doing the hard yards. So I knew, I know what she's like, I know who she is, I know that I can work with her, I know that it's lots of fun. So as long as I kept focusing on the person and not their writing record, I was okay. But every now and again that, you know, 60-plus books would come up and my the little devil on my shoulder would go, what are you doing with these two? <laughs> <laughs> you so should not be here. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you're, you're part of the series. Your book is part of the series as well. Yeah, I know, and that's... You know, it's a, an amazing opportunity that that you just have to grab and run with. I mean, you can't afford to sit there and think anything. <laughs> You've just got to write and hold your own and and thank the gods and Kate that you got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Amy and Nicola are fantastic. They never once made me feel anything. Yeah. Um, different to either of them. So, you know, I think that's the beauty of writing groups and knowing people is that these opportunities come up and you don't have to be completely and utterly intimidated by them, <laughs> just a little bit in your bad self. <laughs> what are you working on right now? Are you working on a new book? <laughs> I'm working on a really old book that I can't get right at the moment. <laughs> um. Way back in 2009, I wrote this book and I wrote it all wrong. It's in first person in four people's heads, so it was a bit confusing. So I've been working on that off and on for ever since, trying to get it right. (laughs) So I think I'm up to my fourth. It's under contract, but I'm on to rewrite number four and hopefully I might get it right this time. But every time you do something, you learn more. So Absolutely. So hopefully it's getting closer to right. <laughs> well, the question I always ask at every interview is if you have any mm-hmm. books to recommend to, to people who will be listening. Do you have any books that you want to recommend? Yes, I do. Oh, bring um, it on. I brought on some Australian ones for you. and. Oh. A romance and a couple of not romances. Is that all right? Absolutely all right. Please tell me all the things. All right. So I just read Marion Lennox's uh, book that's in a reader finalist, The Billionaire's Christmas Baby. 
And um, it's really Australian. It's really lovely. I really liked it. And Marion Lennox always seems to write really down-to-earth um, Australian characters, which I really like. Um, and then I work with two Australian authors, you know, who help with my problem scenes or stories. So Ainsley Patton and Jenny Jones, they both write really good stories. Ainsley's a huge um, contemporary and Jenny writes quirky rural romances, so Western-type styles. And then in the non-romance books, um, one of the things that I keep picking up in, you know, when I sit down and start writing a story is I'm always writing about someone who's lost someone, Mm -hmm. so like grief. Mm -hmm. And um, it must be something I can't understand in my head, I think. But I found an Australian author called Eliza Henry James and she writes these amazing um, stories about grief. So she's got three called, one's In the Quiet, another's called Ache, and then she's just done a YA called P is for Pearl. And they're all about loss and grief. So Oh, wow. Yeah. And then another thing I like is really experimental kind of different literary styles. So there's an Australian one um, called Storyland and it's by Catherine McKinnon and oh, it's, I don't even know how to explain it, but um, <laughs> it's a book um, where everything's linked to um, place rather than to characters. So it's a story that's set over... I think it's about 400 years oh, and wow. and there's like uh, five segments that take you up a hill and then five segments that take you back down yeah it's really quite um it's very different but it just I don't think I've recovered from reading it yet <laughs> <laughs> do you have book hangover I love book hangover oh yeah it, it's yeah Especially when the structure is so different to anything else that you've read. That's like the best book hangover, I think. How did they do that? Why did they do that? How does that work? Yeah. And then you, awesome. you, you look at it as a writer and think, how did you technically do that? Yes. How did you take me on that journey? <laughs> because um, this storyland, it, it you know, as I read, I was reading, I think I read it in the whole night because I couldn't put it down too. Oh, um, bad but, decisions book club. Yes, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it took you up a hill and then took you back down. So you reached like some sort of an emotional peak in the middle of the book and then you came back and you were like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, and <laughs> And I don't know, I still don't know how she did that. That, yeah. I wish I knew because it was a really phenomenal experience to go on that kind of a journey in a book so quickly. Yeah. When it wasn't like normal, <laughs> it wasn't a normal story structure. It's not like a three act structure or anything. It's right. structured like a mountain. Oh, I kept thinking. Yeah. 
That's really interesting. Mm. It's very, yeah. Went from historical to dystopian as well. Whoa. Like within, yeah, up this mountain. <laughs> Down that other. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very, very interesting story. That's mm. very cool. Hmm. Well, is there anything you would like to add or say before we go? No. Um, no. Just if you're riding, enjoy it, I think. <laughs> I think. <laughs> That's good advice, actually. Do you have advice for anyone who's an aspiring writer, considering that you're, you're now published? Do you have any advice for someone who's still struggling to get published? It's probably the same advice my mum told me when I was a kid was get in and volunteer. You know, it's sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> and I think that's um, something I've always done. I really enjoy doing it. But it, it is what's paid off for my writing as well, you know, getting involved in writers' groups or with people. You just don't know who you meet or, you know, how that's going to help you in the future or, you know, if, if I hadn't have met Amy and Nicola before, I, I think I might have, you know, floundered doing this um, or needed more help from them, you know, whereas, you know, I think because I knew them and I could get past that intimidation, then then you can write your story and hold your own and do your own thing rather than be, you know, a bit swept up in that, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> writing with people I used to read, <laughs> you know. Yes, mm. it's very. I know exactly that feeling. I know that. Is that feeling. Yeah. Do you get that feeling? I do. If I'm talking to someone or if I'm interviewing them, mm -hmm. um, my I, I like to think of it as my inner thirteen year old. She is yes. really not playing it cool, and I have to keep her yeah. quiet because inside I'm like, oh my god, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, it happens to me all the time. All the time. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. good. It's not just you. <laughs> oh, it happens so often and I have to think, just chill, just chill. <laughs> yeah, and meanwhile, your inner 13-year-old is like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Should I ask them for my, their autograph? <laughs> oh, I know. I know exactly that feeling. I know. Mm. It's an interesting one, isn't it, it that is you never really... grow out of that no, inner 13-year-old? No, never. I, I don't think you ever, as long as you appreciate what – skill it takes to make something creative you never really mm. grow out of your awe and sense of wonder that it can be done and then you meet the person who gave you those that experience yeah I don't think you ever grow out of that at no. least I hope not and then I if don't, don't want to no I don't want to either and then if they're like really cool people too it just makes it worse yes or better <laughs> you know <laughs> you're just like oh god they're even better than I thought <laughs> And that brings me to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed all of these interviews. I want to thank Catherine and Amy and Nicola and Kate for the interviews and for the time and for these books. I hope you will go out and check them out. They are really fun. Seriously, y'all, the covers. Really. Wow. <laughs> this week's episode was brought to you by Hot and Badgered by Shelley Lawrenston. The wait is over. New York Times bestselling author Shelley Lawrenston returns to the shapeshifter genre and the animal her readers have been clamoring for since the release of her fan favorite novel, Bite Me, The Indomitable Honey Badger. 
These outrageously snarky honey badger sisters are fearless and flawless and fierce. What happens after a honey badger meets a soft-hearted grizzly bear by barging into his hotel room naked from the balcony while fleeing armed gunmen? Find out in Hot and Badgered by New York Times bestselling author Shelley Lawrenston. Hot and Badgered is on sale now wherever books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. This week's podcast, as always, will be transcribed and compiled by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. This week's transcript is brought to you by Whiskey Sharp Jagged by Lauren Dane. Victor Orlov took one look at the wary gaze and slow-to-trust personality of the deliciously sexy and fascinating Rachel Dolan and knew he wanted more than just a casual friendship. But as a natural protector, he also knew bossiness and overprotective maneuvering would push her away rather than draw her close. He'll use every tool in his easygoing, laid-back arsenal to convince her to take a chance on them. Rachel's flourishing career as a tattoo artist has brought color back into a life previously damaged by a series of bad choices and violence. She knows she can trust Vic. It's herself she's not sure of. She doesn't want to be caged or controlled, doesn't want to be protected so much she has no ability to make her own choices. So when Vic finally drops all pretenses of just friends and focuses his careful affection and irresistible seduction on her, Rachel knows that she's falling hard for the laid-back man she's discovered as a relentlessly steel spine when it comes to her, and she can't resist. You can find Whiskey Sharp Jagged on sale now wherever books are sold, and thanks to Lauren Dane for sponsoring the transcript this month. We have a podcast Patreon, and I would like to humbly ask, if you are interested in supporting the show, that you take a look. The podcast Patreon is at patreon.com slash smartbitches. You make a monthly pledge for as little as $1 a month, and you make a deeply appreciated difference in the show. Your direct support means the show continues, I can transcribe older episode transcripts, and the show continues to improve, which is really wonderful. I have a lot of interviews scheduled for the next few weeks, and I often ask the Patreon community for question ideas, too. So if you're interested, I hope you'll make a pledge and join us. I also want to thank some of the Patreon folks personally. So to Jenny, Elena, Carrie, Angie, and Gail, thank you so much for being a part of our community. And if you would like to support the podcast in other ways, I'm sure you know what they are if you're a podcast listener. Leaving a review makes a very big difference in helping other people discover us. However or wherever you listen, rating, reviewing, telling a friend, subscribing, that all makes a difference. And if you're hanging out with me each week, thank you. That's so cool. Our music this week is provided by Sassy Outwater, as it is every week. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is Caravan Palace. This track is called La Caravan. It is from their double album Panic and Caravan Palace. You can find it on iTunes or on Amazon, and you can learn more about them at their website, caravanpalace.com. Now, coming up on the site this week, we have cool things. Are you ready? We have a romance wanderlust. We have a caption that cover contest and a guest review for a musical, which I'm really excited about. We have a few other reviews. We have help a bitch out. And we have a post about tracking your reading. If you are a spreadsheet junkie who likes to nerdily deep dive into data that you create yourself like me, hi, I am sharing a post about how I track my reading. And I hope that you will take a look and let me know what you think. And it's time for our bad joke. Are you ready for the bad joke? It's a very bad joke. Like, it's really, really bad. Are you ready? Okay, here we go.
I'll try not to laugh your laugh laugh so hard that I hurt your eardrums. <clears throat> Why are all fairy pictures really bad quality? Give up? Why are all fairy pictures bad quality? Well, they're all pixelated. Not only is it a stupid joke, but <laughs> it's a nerdy computer stupid joke, which is my favorite kind. They're pixelated. Ah, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. Ha, ah, thank you to Drondel on Reddit for that joke because it totally charmed me and made me very happy. Pixelated. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's embarrassing how much I enjoyed that. So on behalf of Amy and Catherine and Nicola and Kate and everyone here, including all of the mammals currently on my desk, there's a lot of them, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend. We will see you here next week. Oh, and don't forget... There's an outtake at the end. It's really quite poor. I hope you enjoy it. Find out in Honey Bat Hot Hot Hobbity Haha Honey Badger. <laughs> wow, that's so good. How is that not the title of a book? <laughs>